Hello and welcome to We March On with Stephen Tom, the unofficial Southampton FC podcast in partnership, as always, with the Believe Podcast Network, striking a goal into your ear holes weekly, bringing you all the content that you could ever want about Southampton FC and what's going on in the lives of me, Steve Forbes, and indeed the one and only Tom Deacon. Tom, lovely to see your face once again. It, it's felt like a, an age has passed since I've done so. Mm, I'm still getting over you suggesting striking a goal in your ear holes. Um, I liked it, if anything. <laughs> I, I think it was very strong. Uh, you did say, leave this with me. I've got an analogy coming up, which is going to blow your mind. And it, it felt it's felt blown. Um, but yes, lovely to see you, Steve. Uh, it's a delight. And what a time to be alive as a Saints fan. What a time. Oh, one win and one draw in the space of four days. Can't get much better than that, can you? Chef's kiss. Uh, it was it was, the, it was brilliant. And what I find very disappointing, if we could have actually seen each other in person, had I looked around to my left <laughs> at the St. Mary's at the game against Arsenal, instead of just looking at Alan Smith, uh, um, apoplectic at the fact that Arsenal were 1-0 up, uh, loving life. And if I'd have just sort of thought to myself... Actually, there must be some other media people up there that I could uh, get along with rather than Alan Smith, who was doing my nut in mm. for how much he was so biased. Uh, but other than that, it was a delight. I could have seen you, mate, because you were just behind me. Yeah, well, I, I have said many a time that my time is spent at home games up on the gantry next to where they film the match. So if you'd simply been listening for about, you know, 18 months, you'd probably know I was there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as the French say, touche. Uh, thanks, mate. But uh, it, is, it is brilliant time to be alive. Uh, anything else going on in your world? I mean, how was that wet and windy day for you? Because I was I was terrified leaving the stadium uh, full time. The heavens opened, didn't they? Uh, just a, a mere moments before before the final whistle. It was a good day. We'll get onto obviously the game in, in a in a second. But I enjoyed it. The wind wasn't my friend. Obviously, having to do the Saints live pre and post game, it was all right pre game, and then post game, as you say, when when it started to rain and the winds really picked up. Um, I haven't watched myself back. My other half did send me a picture, a screen grab, if you will, mm. from uh, when I was on with Dean Hammond, Joe Prince Wright, and Kenzie. We're all there in person this week, and if you remember when Russell Howard was in, not Russell Howard, Russell Brand was in his pomp. Back in the day, we're talking maybe 2006 to 2009 era, Russell Howard, when he backcombed uh, and it was very large. Uh, that's yes. essentially what I had going on. So I had my headphones, my, my earpieces and my mic on and uh, where the front was held down with the uh, the headband where the wind was just hitting the back of my head. It was just it was like this, Tom, if you can if anyone if we ever release this as a video that's essentially what was going on yeah you look windswept just, there was an advert yeah. for i think it was pan 10 back in the day where they used to hoover up women's hair so it looked luscious above their head um i don't know why i remember that advert but anyway that's <laughs> what it looked like it was reminiscent and yeah. can we just say it was the russell brand uh the sort of mtv period prior mm. uh, way way after actually uh where he was off the rails on uh, mm. narcotics. So I just want people to be very clear, Steve, when you are doing Saints Live, you are not under the influence of anything other than sheer delight to be there. That's exactly right. But I mean, it's been a busy, a busy 10 days, two weeks, Tom. Mm. I was away uh, on another adventure with BT Sport at, on Saturday. Um, some more work experience uh, at Borehamwood versus Wrexham, um, which was uh, uh, a near top of the table clash in the National League. A lot of fun. Brian Reynolds um, there? Again, they, no, nor was Rob McElhenney, uh, unfortunately. Ne neither rubbish. of them bothered to, to turn up to um, North London. Um, however, it was, yeah, it was a lot of fun to to be there and, and learn a bit more about match day reporting, etc. Hopefully something to move into. But it means I've not really had a break in quite some time. And I'm feeling just quite, like, you know, when you're like, I could be coming down with something. You're not quite proper sick, but you're not feeling quite right either. Yes. It's like a like a fug. You're in a fug right mm. now. You're neither in yeah. illness or out of illness, but you're in that middle zone, that fug zone. Yeah. Um, what uh, are your thoughts on the rest of the week post this podcast? I mean, are you going to have to, I mean, are you going to get, are you going to get iller 
I don't know why I feel like a rapper. I there. don't know. You're gonna I, mean, get I think Ill- that's up to nature, mm. isn't it? That's 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 Mother Nature's job to decide whether my immune system is is up to par or not. Mm. Um, I have got to go and get some some new glasses. As I revealed a few weeks ago, I did break my old specs, so I'm still wearing like my four year old um, glasses. And I went into. Do you know what? Actually, you'll probably be you. You may have frequented this store. You're a fellow um, optical enhancement wearer. Um, <laughs> And where... <laughs> and let it where be known now, go- I have not enhanced anything else uh, on the old body. Thank you. <laughs> uh, not above the waist, anyway. Um, and when, when, you, well, when, when you lived in Southampton and where your, your family hail from is, is near the Bitten region, right? Sure. Um, and have you ever been to Specsavers Bitten? Uh, no, I haven't. And it's never tickled my fancy before. I'm not going to lie, Tom. I, they're never going to sponsor this podcast. I hate them. Uh, <laughs> every time I've been there, I've I've booked an appointment for an eye test and I've turned up. Sorry, sir, we haven't got anything booked for you. What? What's going on? Yeah. So I had to hang around and you got to wait until there's a free space and until you're there for an hour and a half, two hours when it should have been 20 minutes. Then you, I couldn't pick glasses on a day. So I booked in for another appointment to go choose glasses and have a test for um, contact lenses. Mm. Went back. Oh, sorry. No, I've got nothing booked in for you. It's like, oh, how can this happen twice in a row? Then after that, they were supposed to call me back because they had to check something to do with one of my orders or, or one of my tests. Never had anything back from them. So if anyone listens to this podcast who's from the who from Bitten and who f- goes there, or if indeed you work at Specsavers and Bitten, just let it be known. You're rubbish. Shambles. You're and an absolute shambles. Absolute shambles. I'll tell you this much. If Alan Smith went down there, right? He'd get seen to immediately with his glasses. And that is the unfairness. So we can talk about refereeing decisions that are coming up, but let it be known that we get mugged off at Specsavers Bitten, but Alan Smith wouldn't. I don't know, I don't know why I'm yeah. connecting those two stories in my head, but... No. So now I'm going to go to a different opticians. Not that anyone at Specsavers Bitten would care. I just need to let it be known for any local listeners that they suck. Okay. Also, what sucks about Bitten, uh, let this be uh, heard aloud on our podcast. Uh, for some unknown reason, there is a gym right in the middle, right next to the Sainsbury's. And pure gym. Yeah, pure gym. Spot yeah. on, mate. Yeah. However, I don't agree with PTs being allowed to take their clients outside, right, to run up and down the high street where their little parachute shuttle runs. You know when you hold someone and they're attached to elastic, so they keep yeah. running, but the PTs behind you, they're the weight. Do one, pure gym, bitten, right? Got- have, you, have you seen that? Mate, really? I've seen That's- it, and I was... I was livid. I was like, what is going on here? Both of you should be ashamed of yourselves, all right? There's some nanas, because that's all Bitten is. Lots of nanas about, and I was literally like, you could bump into one of them, yeah? I know they're all queuing up for that cafe on the other side, opposite Sainsbury's, but I don't care, right? Yes, they love a panini, which were very popular about 15 years ago, but no, <laughs> right? Stop running about in the middle of Bitten. Livid with Why it, would you even need a personal trainer to do that? Surely you could just strap a massive bag for life to yourself and just do it on your own. <laughs> oh mate let's get in nip in nip into sainsbury's pay what is what are they now 75p yeah there you go you've saved yourself 25 quid for an hour's worth of pt work So, Tom, enough about parachute running up and down high streets in the Southampton area. It's time to talk about the football, the thing that people are tuning in for, well, probably. Well, um, it's not just that, though. So, we're, we're great <laughs> personalities as well. Uh, if people are tuning in true. saying, I hope they discuss the formation change from Ralph Hasnett or against Arsenal after going 1-0 down, consider that done because it happened and it worked. But, but don't expect too much detail because we're fans no. like you guys listening. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to like and subscribe. <laughs> and that that draw against Arsenal came off the back of a victory, a much-needed three points oh. against Bournemouth on Wednesday night. Obviously, we've had an episode come out since then, but we recorded it prior to that match. So we do need to just slightly graze over it um, as it what a much-needed three points. Not the most spectacular of games, Tom. A very spectacular header from Shea Adams. I think that's only his third-headed goal for Southampton as well. Um, great cross from Roman Perro, But to hold on, saw it out in a very professional manner, in my opinion. And uh, at least we're now relatively back to some form of... 
No, is it normality? I'm not sure, Tom. But at least we got three points. It's never normality with Southampton. It's a constant roller coaster, as Ronan Keating has often mentioned. What I will say about the Bournemouth result, fantastic to be able to watch it on Amazon Prime. I watched it with my other half. She is now two for two. Every time she's watched Southampton this season, yeah. we've won. We watched the Chelsea game together. We watched the Bournemouth game together. So really, uh, every other match uh, she'll have to come along to now to watch. Isn't Amazon Prime coverage so good as well? Yeah, really like, good. I, I would really hope that more games are on Amazon in the future. There's your dog. She agrees too. Just. Uh, just. It's only because the door went, mate. Uh. Nah. Oh. Telling you off, mate. Hmm. Yes. <laughs> I think genuinely, I genuinely think, uh, Steve, that the coverage is brilliant on Amazon Prime. And I also thought that, like you said, very professional the way that Saints saw the game out. Bournemouth, um, yes, we did make them look like Barcelona of old at times. We let them have mm. far too much of the ball, uh, try to press them at times, sat and parked the bus. And about the 65th minute, I was thinking, no, no, we could still get another goal here. But can mm. I just say, Shea Adams, I think man of the match performance, um, he was just superb when he didn't have the ball tracking back tackling Bournemouth players Bournemouth were lucky not to have a red card that tackle on Maitland-Niles is going to stick with me for years to come it was it was vicious it was off well I mean VAR has been shocking over the last few weeks I think like when it comes to uh, incidents like that, penalties, that well, there was obviously it, VAR wasn't referred to against Arsenal, but there was a, a clear shout and it would have gone against us, but also it leads to the inconsistency that there is within decision-making in the game at the moment where the referees are, are almost reluctant to make an on-field decision knowing that it will be looked at anyway. So they kind of just let it go and hope VAR will either tell them they should look at it or it's fine, just carry on. But it's really leading to a huge amount of inconsistencies. And as you say, in the Bournemouth game, there should have been a red card. Definitely. Um, but but then again, I, I feel like Southampton, fact, one comment that, that Georgie, my other half, made, which I, I kind of get on board with, she was like, does Southampton not have any other songs to sing? <laughs> they seem to be singing <laughs> one song. She was like, come on, we need to to get some more songs for the away fans. And I was like, it, you know, and I... I Look, if you're listening and you were part of that number, great, because I th I could hear you constantly on Amazon Prime. I could hear all the swear words. It was fantastic. But we just, we we did a bit, bit more of a repertoire. I'm just saying, that's... I, I, t I tell you, there were, there were two songs being sung, yeah. which probably, maybe we shouldn't repeat, but they were sung nonetheless. And that was when Joe Arebo came off to be replaced with a defender. And there was a lot of chanting of, you don't know what you're doing. Oh, and oh, you're getting no. sacked in the morning. From our own fans. Uh, madness. Genuine madness. Because yes, we made Bournemouth look very good. I think they're a very good side. Let's not forget they hadn't lost in something like uh, six games under Gary O'Neill. Um, we got the job done. We got the goal. We are not built as a team, in my opinion, to get two, three, four goals a game. We're built to get a goal and sort of try and sit back. That, that, that's how I take it. And the fact that we got that um, result, I, th I think, yeah, it was just brilliant. It, and it's the first clean sheet in so long and a first yeah. away win in so long. It's like, let's just enjoy it. And I know that the fans um, appreciated the players and Ralph, everyone looking happy again, going over to the fans and celebrating like we'd won, won a cup. But I think it's just, look, take victories where they are. And that was a victory. And, and I think it really helped against Arsenal going into that match. Definitely. You raise a good point about the clean sheet made up for Gavin Bazunu, who has been excellent really this season and just very unfortunate that that is his, his first clean sheet this season. But it couldn't be doubled against Arsenal, unfortunately. As good a game as it was and how impressive Southampton were in the second half of the game, they did go a goal down um, from Granite Xhaka in the first half. It very much felt when that went in, like, oh, here we go again. But... Southampton held on, played all right in periods during that first half. There was a couple of decisions that maybe went their way, but it really did evolve as a game in the second period. And I think as well, it's testament to the players that came into the squad because there was no Carl Walker-Peters. He got injured against Bournemouth. No Armel Belakotchap. He's still suffering with that arm or shoulder injury. Uh, Ainsley Maitland-Niles couldn't play because Arsenal was his parent club. 
So we did see Lianko play it right back. And when he was getting full, I was expecting him to be a very defensive right back, not really breaking past the halfway line. He was brilliant. He was getting up into the opposition box. The fans were loving it. That guy, if he carries on and starts becoming a more regular face in the starting eleven, he's going to be a cult hero. Oh, He just gets St. Mary's going. Without a shadow of a doubt. Georgie uh, asked me uh, during the Bournemouth game, she goes, who's your favourite Saints player at the moment? And I thought it was an odd question. I'm like, I'm not 12. Why are you asking me that question? I'm not 12. I'm an adult. <laughs> I'm a grown man, right? I support all of the team. Um, but I did say, I do love Lianco. I think he just, he and, and that was in the Bournemouth game and his performance there, that kind of little bit of skill, uh, sidestep to player, dribbled the ball, beautiful. Against Arsenal, playing right back, yes, that they targeted him very early on. Um, and Ralph did make that change to give him a bit of support. But the way he pushes forward, the way he gets in the faces of the opposition, gives a few niggles to Gabriel uh, Jesus, um, who is a fellow Brazilian. So I, I just I just love him. He just riles the opposition up. That overhead kick was sublime. Uh, he even flipped, um, he sort of clipped, sort of flipped the ball up and then booted it away like Sunday league. I just love him. I just, I genuinely yeah. just love him. Because he was, he could have been caught in possession. He was holding, I can't remember which Arsenal player it was, but kind of holding him off. He could have just played the ball out, given them a throw in and tried to get back into position, but he didn't. He did, he did like a little, yeah, as you say, a little flick up, hoof the ball away, allows everyone to kind of move back in and get back into their defensive shape. He, he was excellent. Absolutely outstanding on the day. Lucky. Oh, very lucky. Maybe. To Very stay lucky. on the pitch. Uh, got a yellow card. I think a VAR, well, VAR probably did have a look at it. His head definitely lunged towards that Arsenal player. Yeah, he's little though. Um, Nikita, he's, he's Niketia. He's, he's, he's only little. Is that, is that who it was? Yeah. Eddie Niketia? Yeah. Yeah. Number 14. And yeah, just don't, just don't, just let Lianco do what he wants. Arsenal obviously didn't the thing get the email. These, just don't rile With these Lianco. type of players is that where they play with so much passion, they're, they're always on that they're simmering, aren't they? Yeah. They haven't quite boiled over yet. But in a player like Lianco, he there is risk with playing him that because he plays with so much intensity and so much passion, you are probably going to get a couple of reds out of him a season. Yeah, that that is likely. However, Romeo, who never got a sending off, I don't think, for, for Southampton, always got a yellow and always let the opposition know, just when you hold up the ball, I will be digging into you like I will be making my presence known and Lianco's just that and Coletta Saar as well um there was a few let's fouls that weren't given even where I was yeah. sat I was like how has he got away with mm. that I don't care though uh he's just solid doesn't let players run uh past him or away from him Salisu was brilliant you just need those physical presences sometimes and it really threw Arsenal off their game in that first 10 minutes just a, they had about three good chances. Then finally they scored with Xhaka, as you, as you mentioned. I thought it was going to be like another Chelsea, 6-0 mm -hmm. at home. I thought, how many are they going to score? They look rampant. And then Ralph made some changes. He's been criticised for that. Changes were made. He also has been criticised, maybe lost the dressing room. But those players definitely fought on that pitch. Elanusi definitely needs a shout out as well. What a tackle. Moy! Um, <laughs> he was class. It was really good. So, uh, yes, problems and I will be slightly neggy now problems are there going forward who is going to get the goals Adam Armstrong is a terrier he runs with the ball I think it was the start of the second half he almost had a one-on-one -on -one and lost control of the ball and what I did say yeah. to my mate who I sat next to I said that is a player who is short of confidence in front of the goal however what he does do uh, uh, for the rest of the game is he runs he, he, he presses players He's not a goal scorer and that's what we are lacking at the moment is a, is a real yeah. potent strike force threat. But the players are playing for them, uh, the, the, the badge and they're playing for the team. So what's, what's not to be happy about? Yeah, it was st still a very valuable point. I personally think Southampton could have won it at the end. They were by far the better team. Arsenal looked a bit gassed, a bit a bit leggy. Um, Mikel Arteta has spoken about how many games that they've played um, this month. And I think they were there to be had. And the one thing that I didn't particularly like, although, you know, it's great to still leave with a point against the league leaders, is that it did get a bit, let's not just not lose this game. Rather than going, 
this game's here to be won. Yeah. Let's just not lose it. I, and I, I agree. Like, I agree with you on this. I, I know where you're going, but, I, but, but I'll give you the counter when you're ready. <laughs> so Stuart Armstrong got the equaliser um, in the second half. And I felt there were, what, 20 minutes left of that game? And Southampton were, had opportunities to, to break forward. And I felt that what happened when they did break and they were maybe three on two or, or, or three on three with Arsenal players is they just stopped. And instead of looking for a clinical ball or just keep driving and taking a shot or, or creating a bit of space for yourself, they would stop, look around, play it back, play it sideways allow Arsenal's players to then get back into shape and flood that area. And then, the, and then the, the opportunity was gone. And it was more about ball retention than, you know, looking for an opportunity to win the game. And that's maybe the only criticism that I can say towards the end. I think a big part of it, and you highlighted it as well, is that Southampton haven't got the players, in our opinion, who can score multiple goals a game. They And, and I think a big part of that as well is down to a lack of creation. So Moy played that lovely reverse pass to Stu, but that was really one of very few opportunities in that game where a a great bit of play was made, a a great pass between the lines. We often rely on uh, getting the ball out to our fullbacks, playing it back to Prousey, and then hoping he can whip a ball in and someone can get their head on it, or there's a little nick off a player and then someone can just tap it in. What I don't see a lot of is really good Uh, through ball play or interlinking play in that final third of the pitch or or people making an excellent run to then have a ball played through to their feet and then they can score. It always seems to be the same thing of let's get as high as we can, play the ball back, whip it over the top and just hope someone can get their head on it or we get a knockdown. Um, It doesn't seem to be as fluid as it can be. Now, whether that's because as we've mentioned before, James Ward-Prowse seems to be everywhere at the moment. So what they don't want to do is essentially have him out of position so much or so far up the park that he can't track back because we don't have that defensive stability in the midfield without Romeo Lavia or without Ori anymore. Um, although I think that um, Ibrahima Diallo did have one of his better games in a Southampton shirt in that match um, in the absence of Ainsley Maitland-Niles. But it just seems a little bit cautious still. and. Um, a lack of ideas of how to score rather than having the quality of who can score. There's a lot to unpack there. Um, And I like that, Steve. I like the fact there's a lot to unpack there. Uh, First of all, I I think you make very good, valid points about Saints going forward. Uh, We're not comfortable, I think, a lot of the time going forward. And in the last 10, 15 minutes, I felt like, yes, like you say, we did shut up shop part the bus. However, bringing on a dozy and Che Adams and Theo Walcott to be a kind of break, break, um, a breaking attack that's got a bit of pace that can work. But that's what's odd, right? That's what's odd is those subs were made. A dozy came on, Theo Walcott came on, but it was almost like they came on to, to only go forward if there was a 95% clear cut opportunity that it could lead yeah. to a goal scoring effort. Because they just, again, they just didn't see a lot. No, going no. Forward. I think Sorry, um, carry on talking. I, I, I said to my mate at the beginning of the game, I said Perro will not last the full ninety minutes, and he said, "Why not?" I said, "Because all he does is run down that flank. He's our main threat. Because there's no Kyle Walker Peters, he will be the guy that's expected to run, get a cross in to to who though? That's the main issue that we have a lot of the time, and he'll be gassed. So we we need that help in the second half. Um, and I felt like Theo coming on, Adozi ran at players. Yes, he lost the ball a couple of times, but at the, he offered something different because he is he is mm-hmm. relentless. He just wants to run at players and, and you need that. So I, I, I kind of agree with you, but I feel like we have to take baby steps against Bournemouth. Let's get a goal. That happened. Fantastic revelation. We don't score many. And then it was about holding on. And I feel like Arsenal, yes, they were there for the taking, but also they're so good going forward. They had a lot of chances. I felt like you had to, you can't just go, let's win this. Cause if we'd have lost it, fans would have been an uproar. We should have held on to the point. So I, I take on board your point and I feel like Southampton need to build in confidence. Um, and that's difficult when you keep getting injuries. Um, and in terms of the yellow, who you mentioned, I thought, 
I, I would, it's difficult. I think they're about on par, Maitland-Niles at the moment and Diallo in terms of who I want in the middle. I felt like Prousey gave the ball away a fair few times. So did Talisu, so did Diallo. We're, we're building in confidence, but overall to come back into that game, one nil down and get a point out of it. I, th- I think we should be focusing on those positives and go, we're not a complete team yet, but this is this is looking good. Very much so. 100% focused on the positives. It's still a very good point. Arsenal did have the ball in the back of the net in the second half. However, the ball had gone out of play. So we, I, I see your point about don't want to ride your luck too much where then you're broken on and then Arsenal can win the game in the dying seconds and it's better to leave with a point against the league leaders than go gung-ho and then lose it. So totally mm. get that. Other positives were that we got to see Theo Walcott in a Southampton shirt again. We haven't seen that for oh, some yay. time. Um, Romeo Lavia is back in training, although he didn't play. So that also going forward could be a massive boost. When he gets back into the team, I feel he's just going to add solidity and we can go back to the happy days of August uh, and the start of September when we were singing Southampton's praises for, even though the results might not have been going 100% our way, the the play was great. We were, we were super chuffed with, with how the team was performing. So, um, yeah, still lots of positives to go. Doesn't stop here. Got another match on Saturday against Crystal Palace away. It's going to be really tough. We'll, we'll look ahead to that in a bit. But these are, as you say, Tom, positive steps. Incremental steps, but still positive nonetheless going forward. Right, Tom, you know what time it is now. We're around about that halfway mark, probably a little bit over. But it's time for Saints Trivia Question of the Week. Mm, mm, mm. Love it. Was that, love be- was both that better of- this week? Love that. Love the quiz. What is there not to love about this? Thank you. Let's get going. I'm ready, mate. Hit me with it. Right, Tom, this is the part where you and indeed the listeners tuning in can play with our trivia game this week as we put a little segue in between our sections of the podcast. Now, the next game, as mentioned, is Crystal Palace away. That game's being played on October the 29th. The last three times Southampton have played Crystal Palace in late October, they have lost. But Tom, can you tell me the years in which those defeats were? <laughs> is that is that the question? Is that, that is the seriously question. the question? Yeah, which Wait. years were those oh my. defeats in late October to Crystal Palace? I I mean, mate, I can't. What what years? What years did we play Crystal Palace in October? Uh, no idea, Steve. That is a very tricky ca- question. Let's go with nineteen twelve. <laughs> 1957 and 1992. <gasps> oh, Tom, <laughs> one out of three ain't bad. Are you kidding? One, yeah. I mean, you're a little, you're a little old with the, with the previous ones, but you got one oh. right. That's um, that's. Oh. I'm actually astounded, Tom. Um, <laughs> right, I'll I'll run through them. We'll, we'll start from uh, latest to newest. Um, oh, do we give people any time in this segue or just? Oh, I thought that I thought that was you just having your go now. Am I giving people time? They've 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 listened to you ramble and try and guess. They've had time to think about it. Um, so the first defeat in late October. Well, to be fair, I only went back to three. I couldn't be bothered to count anymore. But I'm pretty sure it was the first one. Um, was the 21st of October 1980, while Southampton and Crystal Palace were in Division One. Now Palace won that game three two. It was away. Um, Steve Moran grabbing both of the Saints' goals on that occasion. We then come forward a few years to the one you got right, Tom. The 28th of October, 1992. That was in the League Cup and Palace won that game 2-0. Matt Letizier started. The one and only Franny Benali was on the bench for that game. And then the most recent late October fixture against Crystal Palace isn't that recent it's all the way back in 2011 the 25th of October that was also a league cup match Palace won 2-0 again against a very young Southampton team that contained James Ward-Prowse Jack Cork and Morgan Schneidlin Darren Ambrose and Jermaine Easter scoring Palace's goals in that occasion Ooh, that's a great I mean love it uh 
by the way, uh, Prousey, uh, back in 2011, got his um, debut under Nigel Adkins, which is uh, of Tuesday, the 25th of October. So it's come full circle, mate. It's it's a happy birthday to James Will Prowse getting his uh, first start. Great question. Thank you very much. I hope everybody enjoyed their interlude. I felt like, Steve, and mm. if you don't mind me saying, with that question, it, it highlights a few things. It just reminded me of uh, with Southampton at the moment. And a lot of injuries, because uh, it felt like injury time there. That's what I'm um, suggesting. Yeah. A lot yeah. of injuries, mate. Steve, I'd like to discuss this with you. What's going on? Do we need more downtime? Do they need more time off? I mean, I think it's it's very clear that there's a, a lack of depth in certain areas with these injuries mounting. As mentioned, Carl Walker-Peters could be out long term. He is going to have a scan this week to assess the extent of his hamstring injury, but it's looking very doubtful that he's going to be playing before the World Cup break. And our next game after that isn't until the 26th of December. So he could be back for that one. Also a major blow for Carl because there was a chance due mm. to the problems that England have got it right back that he could have been on the plane to Qatar, but that doesn't look like it's going to be happening anytime soon. Also, we've spoken about um, Armel Belakotchap, Romeo Lavi has been out injured, Tino Livramento is still a long-term injury. Um, so, and, and also, as well, didn't mention, Shea didn't start against Arsenal. And the reason he didn't start against Arsenal is because he had a light hamstring injury or an issue. Mm. So he did come on in the game, but didn't start. And it just leads me to think, why, why are these players becoming injured? Or why are we having so many injuries in the squad at the moment? Maybe there's too many games. It is a really congested fixture schedule ahead of the World Cup. Maybe training is too intense, but we seem to be getting hit pretty hard right now. Yeah, it's it's going to be a tough one because with the congestion of fixtures before the World Cup, we're going to have to just... It's almost like we're going at a full speed limit, aren't we? We mm. have to put our foot down. We can't ease up now because we are going to have a break. And as long as no one's out for, say, a season-ending injury... I think Ralph and the team need to maximise pushing the players. But to be fair, they did take consideration and care over Shea Adams. Slight tweak, better not start you. Even though we probably really needed him up there in the first half um, to battle like he did against Bournemouth, I would say I'm not overly concerned. Injuries happen. Uh, we just need to be positive. And, and, and like Lianco stepping in, it's next man up mentality so that seems to be working really well for Southampton yeah it's I don't think there's any skirting around it it's going to be a tough couple of games coming up who have we got we've got Crystal Palace Newcastle and Liverpool yeah that, a, and, and that all of them are on a bit of form minus Liverpool but Newcastle are looking pretty rampant looking very much uh worth um their position in the table so um, it's, it's, they're not going to be easy games. No, certainly not. And it's where you're going to want to have a full-strength squad. I think maybe the, the, the only saving grace, if there is one, is that it's come at this point in the season and there's still a long way to go. Once we're back in, the, in late December, all the way through till May, if we've got a full-strength squad, Tino could be back by then as well, which could be a massive boost. Obviously, expectations aren't going to be huge for him, given that he will have been out for so long. But he is young, mm. which and that often helps as well. If you've suffered a big injury at a young age, you've, you, you, your body isn't at the point where it can't quite, you know, recover the same way. So hopefully, you know, we can get Tino back to, to the kind of levels that he was last year. Um, Kyle will be back, so we'll have our first choice um, fullbacks there. Lavia will be back in contention. Bella Kotchap, he might miss out on the World Cup with Germany, which again is going to be maybe not too devastating for him considering he's only just had his first senior appearance and that's a particularly strong squad. But I'm sure he would have loved to have gone on a maiden World Cup, but we'll have him back. And maybe another upside is that these players who won't be going to Qatar, there are going to be friendlies played uh, during the break um, to keep these players in their kind of peak condition. So they have opportunities maybe with less pressure to then get themselves back up to speed, especially people like Lavia, Belakotcha, Kyle. And then come end of December, whenever things start to pick up again, we're going to have a really busy four or five months. They'll be right at it. Yeah, I think you're spot on, mate. We, you never plan for players to get injured. 
but you can plan to have cover. And I think uh, the signing of Juan Larios uh, is 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 great. Um, <laughs> Georgie said he looked like the lead singer from My Chemical Romance, which I, I respected and I did chuckle at. So uh, he will be the replacement of Perro. You've got Gineppo there. Th- there is cover, whether it's, you know, the cover that you're like, oh, you know what? This is a winning team right here. Mm. You, you just can't. It, it's squad depth. I think every player that Ralph tends to buy can play in multiple positions. And and you just have to look at how well Elanusi played at the weekend, having to go into a position he's not so familiar with mm. and doing a great job. So as long as the mentality is right for Southampton, we'll get through this injury blip. And um, and Armel's loss by not going to the World Cup is, is Southampton's gain for sure. Yeah, I'm I'm positive of that. And the other thing is, it's, it's probably a bit too early to talk about uh, being a couple of months out from, from January. But the January transfer window, I think, is an important time to add more depth to that team in certain areas. I definitely think that we need another defensive Striker. midfielder. Striker. A, a, an out-and-out goal scorer would be really handy as well. I think we can rule out Cody Gakpo. Uh, making yeah. a move to, to Southampton or Leeds. It was too stressful. This time It was around. too stressful. I couldn't decide. <laughs> Shut up. Um, even though he's he's essentially a, a winger anyway, so probably not really in the mould that we want now. Now we've got Sam in. I think bringing in another wide player would limit his um, progression because I think he's a very exciting player. So, um, yeah, I think these injuries have highlighted two maybe not just the fans, but also the people in charge of the purse strings that, you know, still a couple of more bodies in January will do this squad, the world of good. And, you know, I don't like to be overly optimistic, but I'm hoping that that in the second half of the season, it's a season where we're not getting to the end going, oh, can we stave off relegation or oh, can we finish 16th? It's one where, you know, we can push into that top half of the table, hopefully have a good cup run. And, and have a really positive 2023. All right, Steve, I'm going to put you on the spot right now. We are taking on Crystal mm. Palace. Uh, yes, we've beaten Crystal Palace more times than they've beaten us. However, current form and the positioning in the table would suggest this is going to be a difficult game. What says you on the outcome of this one based on the facts, the evidence of what you know about Crystal Palace and Southampton? Selhurst Park is a tough place to go. I think that will make a bit of difference. But I'm also of the opinion that Palace are going under the radar a bit with just how unimpressive they are. Um, I don't think they're a particularly good team. They probably won't be down fighting off relegation. But I can't really see them pulling up any trees this season. They feel like a team that on their day could pull off a result, but can be beaten without a huge amount of um, difficulty. Interesting. Now, Interesting. Yeah. Even with, with um, PV, Patrick Vieira, who's been very good, uh, and the fact that Zaha scored five goals. Yes, they've... You say very, yeah. you say very good, but I don't know. I feel like Vieira's in that camp of the, the Lampard-Gerrard category of those era of players who've become managers and are they a bit fraudulent in in really what <laughs> what they're doing. I mean, we've seen Gerard get the sack because, you know, maybe Villa was too much of a step up for him from Rangers. Everton nearly went down last year, um, saved on the on the final day or one of the final days from an eighty fifth minute Dominic Calvert Lewin goal. So I don't know, I kind of just see them in that ilk. And maybe, you know, maybe that's unfair. I do think sometimes when you see ex pros now coming into the game as managers so soon after retiring um, or, or, or a few years after is they're already multi-millionaires, aren't they? They, they, they've been part of that Premier League era with all that money. Like, have they got the same drive? Have they got the same mentality and want to win and willing to put in the graft that maybe a coach who played at a much lower level or even didn't play the game uh, would put in. We see like some of the, the icons, of, of management history. Alex Ferguson, although yes, played for Rangers, but wasn't a particularly prolific player. Um, Jose Mourinho didn't play the game. Um, it, 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 I don't know if we're seeing that kind of new era come in of, of ex-pros and they are star names, 
but not necessarily have all the um, the tools that that another coach who's done their their badges from 18 and grafted in non-league or league two, et cetera, or, or been an assistant, whatever. They kind of just come straight out of the game into a position a couple of years later. We've seen it even on the continent with with players like Andrea Perlo, who who didn't really do much at, at Juventus as well. Um, it takes time. So it, 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 look. It, of course it will take time. Everything takes time and everything will take experience. But, you know, I'm just, I'm not overly convinced by Patrick Vieira and, the, and this Crystal Palace team. I think they've got good players. I think that last season, maybe they performed better than predicted. And that was down to some players for the likes of Conor Gallagher, who was excellent. But now he's back at Chelsea. Looks average um, at Chelsea. Got, yeah, looks average. Yeah, they've got Edison um, or Eduard, um, sorry, up front that, you know, was great at Celtic. He scored a few good goals, but I wouldn't really be putting my house on him to to get 10, 15 a season. Wilfred Zaha, again, is their standout player, um, but can go missing in matches. I'll tell you what, I quite like Eze and Elise. They're very quick and, and, and good forward players, but they're young. I, I don't know, I, I genuinely am confident about this game. And I don't know whether that is mistaken confidence. I'm putting it in the wrong places, but I just, I am not convinced by Palace if that hasn't been made clear enough over the last two and a half minutes. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's detailed in your description of how unthreatening Palace look, but I feel like Southampton, it's always a close game against Palace. They're kind of like, if Southampton was a team that was in London, it would be Palace. We, we are that team. <laughs> we, we're not... <laughs> We've got we've spent some money sometimes, but I feel like Patrick Vieira has that job where what really are Palace? Where are they pushing? Are they European uh, pedigree to like push and get up into Europe? I don't think so. They're about a Southampton sized team, passionate fan support on their day. They can uh, go toe to toe with the best of them in the league. And I think that's where Southampton are. So I feel like this has got a tool written all over it. <laughs> but, uh, it, 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 or actually I say that when we really haven't got a striker. So it'll be a one-all all over it. Uh, Palace have got some good results recently in terms of, yes, they lost to Everton. Everton showed up finally. They beat Wolves. I know they're in the bottom three, but Saints couldn't do that. Got a nil-nil draw. A managerless Wolves. Yeah, but... Let's let, let's look at this as well. Wolves are a team in disarray just now. And, if, and, and I know you're going to go into the other results, but all of those teams are bottom teams. Yeah, all right. Yeah, no, do you know what? I put my hands up. That's a fair, fair point there, Steve. However, they have managed, I think what I'm trying to say is, they have managed to get... Uh, you know, they get it across the line. When they've been 2-1 up mm. against Leeds, they got it across the line. They beat Wolves 2-1, they got it across the line. They take, they're that sort of team that will take their chances when they come. There won't be a lot of them and they can put, yeah, they'll put it away. And I think that's why it's an even match, this one. But Southampton will feel very confident after getting that result against Arsenal, galvanised as a team. If we can just pinpoint how, and this is what the coaching staff need to do, how you get the goals against Palace, then we've got definitely a chance of picking up three points. So I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking, based on paper, how good we are away from home. I think this has got a draw uh, written over it for me. I mean, a, a point away from home wouldn't be no. terrible. But, I but I'd rather take the three point points. I'd rather take the three points yeah. when we got Newcastle and Liverpool coming up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, of course. Yeah, 100%. I think you never say a, a game is must win unless it's the last day of the season. You're going to be relegated if you don't. But, um, or really, is is any game a must win? Like, no one's going to die if you, if you don't win. But um, it's one of those matches where, yes, you highlight the, the, the other two teams you have to play before the World Cup break. And it would be the strongest opportunity to get a victory going into those um, because yeah, Newcastle are, are a different beast this season and, and Liverpool, albeit uh, have fallen from grace and are yet to win on the road. I can't remember if that matches at St. Mary's or if it's a, uh, if it's away, Tom, mm. um, but having lost to Nottingham Forest last time out, I'm sure they, their, their players are embarrassed and, and will want to be turning it around pretty swiftly. Um, in the weeks leading up to this break. Uh, it's going to be tough for Anfield so, though, but but I feel like the Anfield support will get right behind Liverpool to, you know, and they did have yeah. chances against Nottingham Forest, but as Ralph and every Saints fan knows, if you don't take your chances, um, you'll get punished. So, 
Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, a really good opportunity for a victory. I think if Saints play with the same intensity uh, that they played with in the early parts of the second half against Arsenal and that we've seen them do in in previous games this season and and have that... You know what? It's one of those games where I've bemoaned it against Arsenal where they didn't take the opportunity to win the game. But going back to the Bournemouth result, which was away is having that professionalism to, you know, if you're in the lead, just see it out. Yeah. Because at this moment in time, I think the fans are not as concerned about the, the style of play, more about how many points that we're getting on the board. So if it's an ugly victory, if it's a 1-0, and you get that in the first 20 minutes, and then you literally hold on to it, I don't think anyone's going to leave Selhurst Park, Park complaining. No, definitely not. Um, it's going to be a good one. It's going to be a good game. Uh, pose a question to you, Steve, uh, as we mm-hmm. begin to come to the end of the podcast. But this is the opportunity for fans' questions and and things we've noticed on Twitter. Uh, Stewie Armstrong said after the Arsenal game, I've not started many this season and I want to play as much as I can. So it was about taking the chance. Very happy with the goal, of course. It's all about trying to influence the game whenever I get the chance. I thought he played very well and taking your point on board, if you get given a chance, the next next person, next player up or next man up uh, is doing the job. Um, that would be the mentality going into Crystal Palace. And and I think everyone on that field out of that 11 should be, even Gav Bazuna should be hoping to make their mark on the game and, and giving 110%. So would you, would you like to see Stu start a game? I think playing players on form is ideal. Um, rather than just because they've had however many games under their belt and maybe you gave them a rest for, for one match. But Stu is he's a bit of an enigma because I really like Stuart Armstrong and I think he offers a lot. He's he's quite dynamic and he's got a great cross on him and he can clearly finish and one of the better finishers really um, at the club. But he seems to just sometimes go missing in games. Mm. And whether that is... Uh, he can't keep it up for the. He plays with such high intensity that he can't keep it up for the for the full term of of, of a match, or the full ninety minutes. I don't know, but you see, Stewart often miss out on fifty fifty challenges. Um, there was a I can't remember the game at St Mary's. Was it the Everton game? And uh, I, I felt I felt a bit sorry for him because he was chasing a lot down, but he just was never really making the ball in time and. Um, sometimes we'll get caught in possession, but he's one of our more skillful players. I think that he had a good game against Arsenal and depending on the formation that Ralph wants to put out against Palace, I think Armstrong plays better either as a 10 or as like a inverted winger. So, no, sorry, not so much a winger, but more of a wide man. So, you know, when we play that 4-2-2-2 and you have kind of narrow wide players, I think he's excellent on the right-hand side of that. Or if you're going to be playing one up top, three attacking midfielders and two central midfielders, him as a 10. I personally think that's that's his best position. I don't think he's as effective when he's had to come play alongside Prousey in a, in a more defensive central midfield role or when he's been pushed out too wide. Um, I think he's way more effective working between the lines and looking for opportunities to pass into the forwards from, from slightly higher up and, and slightly more inside. Mm. Well, there you go. Steve Forbes has said it clearly. Stewie Armstrong, as a fellow Scot, should be in that starting lineup against Crystal Palace and keeping that form to continue uh, on the pitch. Uh, I will be very careful, though, in the next tweet uh, that I go to the game. Um, I said uh, during the Arsenal game, I recorded myself celebrating. Felt like a victory today in some ways. Great effort from the team. Top of the league, question mark. You're having a laugh. Uh, to which point I was... Um, I was questioned by a few Arsenal uh, part-time fans, uh, and they part-time fans. Well, I mean, does it count if you live in Holland? Are you really an Arsenal fan? <laughs> uh, they 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 love to put ratio uh, after, so hopefully their tweet will get more likes than my tweet. Um, you played with twelve men, and uh, I just I just I basically just got taken the piss out of. Uh, he even said at one point uh, uh, wore a hairline. So, uh, taking a piss out of my hairline. Um, what a hairline. Yeah. He said, uh, yeah, it, it doesn't matter, mate. I've only cried a little bit about it. Don't worry, mate. I've, I think he's deleted it now. But anyway, the point is be careful what you say. Obviously mm. Arsenal are a very good team. Uh, but I was just in jubilation, Steve. I was loving life. 
we battled back to get a point. As you should be. Yeah. As you should be as a supporter. I actually, when I was, um, when I'd finished work and I was leaving the ground, they had Arsenal fan TV on the opposite side of the road. They did. Filming with, with all their, um, what, what would be a, a, a diplomatic way to describe their, uh, their viewership that kind of linger around the camera and their guests. Desperate. <laughs> <laughs> no, I saw them. They were near the burger van, which was packing up at yeah, that time. It- Exactly, exactly. And um, I tried to get in on the shot because I had to walk past to where I was being picked up. Um, and so I kind of did just like do this as I didn't didn't wave or anything, didn't want to be uncouth, but, you know, just kind of made it that I was paying attention to what they were saying as I drifted by, as I glided past in jubilation. Um, and they were not happy. No, of course They not. were really not happy. Um, but that's what it is when you're an Arsenal fan, isn't it? Yeah. You will bemoan any negative result and uh, completely be overly jubilant any positive result mate we we bossed it we bossed it we got the result i'm happy you're happy we're all happy we almost got on arsenal tv i'm gonna see you on saturday mate not at the game because i'll be working um unless you obviously you want to go to crystal palace and watch saints play or maybe you fancy a trip to st mary's to sit in with us in the foyer after we shoot the show and you watch it i I'd love to. I'd love to sit in the foyer with you. But uh, we'll be going to uh, your end, your ends, Tom. Yep, in, my uh, ends. In Mid-Hampshire uh, to a fate, a Halloween fate, I believe. If there's not apple bub in, I will be raging. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm all about it. So we'll have that to report on next time. That is true. That is true, Steve. Um, listen, I am confident about Saturday. Uh, thank you very much for everyone who has got involved with the podcast. Uh, please keep spreading the word. Uh, we would be very, very grateful if you could do so. Steve, um, we didn't mention Saints Brass at the beginning of the show. It's the first one ever we didn't do it. I don't know if you noticed. I certainly noticed. We should definitely I noticed mention- and I did it intentionally. Wow. No, I'm joking. I didn't. It was was a pure accident. Um, Make sure as well to uh, rate this podcast five stars. If you're not going to give it five, don't bother. Um, Also, follow us across the social media platforms uh, at We March On Pod. And uh, until the next time, Saints Brass. See us out. (laughs) 